This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to Enterprise Biz Bites. I'm Roshan Kanderson in the studio with... It's me, Rich Bradbury. Yes, it is Rich Bradbury. And it is Monday, August the 7th, just around 12.06 p.m. And uh, Rich, how are you doing? I, I can't believe it's already Monday again. It I can't feels believe like it's week, August, but, you know... The that's... weekend just flew by. <laughs> how is that possible, right? It feels like we stepped out of the door here on Friday, and then I, I went to sleep, woke up, and here I am again. Yeah. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so that's uh, tell us how you feel, guys, how your weekend was. Uh, we've actually got some exciting line, uh, lineup of shows coming up this week. Aside the fact that we're going to be talking about how to start a business early on. Uh, tomorrow, we've got a pretty exciting uh, thing happening on Morning Run. The N34 Bukit Gassing constituency will witness a three-cornered fight between incumbent Rajiv Vishikaran from DAP, uh, who will be up against uh, Nalan Danabalan from Gerakan and Kayana Rajeshkaran from Muda. So it's going to be an interesting fight there for sure. Uh, Morning Run will be having a debate between all three contestants. Uh, so to listen to what they have to say and what they're fighting for and whether they should be uh, Adun for Bukit Gassing. Uh, tune in tomorrow at 8.30am live here on BFM 89.9. So that's happening tomorrow. Today I, though. I feel like we should have had that you know, ding, 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 ding kind of bell going on. You know, No, that's strictly for the stock market. So. Uh, well, you know, or, or boxing. Oh, boxing. Yeah. Oh, that bell. That bell, yes. Right, sorry. See, this is the bias I have, uh-huh. right? You say bell, I think of stock market. Right, right, or else right. you're thinking about Elon Musk and uh, uh, exactly. Zuckerberg fighting each other. Which we will talk about tomorrow on Tech Tuesday here on Enterprise ah, Biz Bites. Brilliant. Yes. Now, today. A week ago, we saw Entrepreneur Development and Cooperatives Minister Dato Iwan Benedict uh, tell the media that the recovery and growth momentum of micro, small and medium enterprises is expected to continue to strengthen in 2023 and surpass the performance from last year, uh, with the ministry remaining optimistic that micro SMEs remain healthy overall based on the SME sentiment index for the first half of 2023. Yeah, with that said, whilst performance as a collective looks good um in general, this can overshadow the individual businesses that struggle and slip through the cracks. Now, this is especially a concern when fresh entrepreneurs are starting up their business uh, from ground zero. In Malaysia, around 60% of uh, SMEs fail within five years of establishment, according to an article by the ASEAN Entrepreneurship Journal. And additionally, only four percent, uh, only four out of ten SMEs are able to successfully meet the challenges associated if with that. Was really four percent, which I think I know, we'd be having a really different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> quickly corrected myself there. I do apologize, folks. Yes. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, why we're highlighting this is it, it highlights that the road to a successful business uh, can be a very daunting one, especially for fresh entrepreneurs, for aspiring business owners, for people who mm. just entered the scene. So today on BizBytes, we take a step back and explore the early days of entrepreneurship, tapping into the personal experience of Melvin Chi, CEO of co- CEO and co-founder of RPG Commerce, who started his journey by buying goods online and selling them to people around him, as well as the experience of Nuraisha Samsul Baharin, Managing Director of Microfunding Fintech Madcash, uh, who herself was a business is is a business and started uh, does with a lot of microfunding support for micro SMEs so the, a very a variety of experience here that we can tap into including the experience of early the early days of starting a business mm. as well as advice and insight as to how to take a business from zero to one if you have any insights uh, or anything you want to let us know any thoughts whatsoever you can whatsapp us on our mobile number that's 018789 Double eight, double nine. Uh, in the meantime, though, um, Aisha, Melvin, welcome to the show. 
Thanks for cool. having us. Oh, don't don't be too excited, guys. Isa. Isa. Now, Isa, let's start with you. Yeah. Uh, based on your own experience and the work you've done with micro SMEs, um, how do you typically get started doing business? Right, because there's a variety of ways you can uh, do your first business. Yeah, so I think I think um, if you look at the micro SMEs and you see them on the roadside, right? So you see them doing business at the sidewalk, doing the pasamalams and mm. things like that. And then if you're younger, then you do it online. And you go on TikTok and you go on Instagram to sell things. So that's usually how women typically start their business. And um, recently, we've seen older people go into the industry. And, and what they do is they get a mini franchise. So things like um, selling fried goreng pisang, for example. What's fried goreng pisang? Fried bananas, yeah. So <laughs> so things like that. Goreng right? pisang so, is a universal okay, term. Right? Like, no worries. Yeah. So, so they, just, they just take a mini franchise. So they don't have to think about anything. They just learn how to make that goreng pisang and then everything is supplied to them, even the canopy and things like that. So that would be one of the things that we recently see. So it's not just goreng pisang. It could be roti john. It could be a few of the other uh, mini franchises. It used to be only the burgers. So that would be mainly the boys. So but I was just thinking. Ah, oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Romley Burgers. There used to be a mini franchise called Master Burger, which I used to go to in my teens. Uh, but so I didn't realize that it was this little. It's, it basically is mini franchising, which is really quite yeah. interesting. Oh, maybe licensing. Maybe I'm not sure what's the correct terminology, but mm-hmm. it would be a, a good way to start, where you don't have to worry about is your food good. Because right? mm. you're taking something that's proven and then you just implement that model. So usually what you, where you see challenges would be people actually showing up every day at the same time, same place. Because you know, It's hard you, work. Yes, it is. Yeah. And as a buyer, you, you go buy when, when you see them every day. So yeah. if you don't open your shop every day, then you lose that, that loyalty to your product. Yeah, because it? It, it's not just the, them supplying the product. Them being on those platforms, it's an advertisement at the same time as well. And, you know, repetition and hearing it and seeing it over again is that enforcement of a brand, right? Exactly. Right. Uh, Melvin, just want to move over to you here. Now, it, it's been a 10-year journey for you. Uh, and uh, all this started with you drop shipping uh, at 18 years old. Why did you decide to start your business uh, the way that you did? I mean, I, I've read a lot about drop shipping, and I know it can be challenging is one way I'd put it. Definitely, you know, I was very fortunate to learn about digital marketing in my really early days. That was about 10 years ago where, um, you know, Facebook was very new, Instagram was very new. Mm. And um, and the only way that I could think of, of making extra pocket money was through dropshipping because mm. I didn't want to start something with a lot of capital and I have no capital as a student. And I think uh, from that on, I just started picking up skills about digital marketing and from there leveraging from skills to cash and eventually building a business out of it. Mm. So very blunt out, just wanting to make more money for myself. <laughs> As any other entrepreneur. I love the honesty, yes. I yes. mean, you took an idea, you monetized it, you started by uh, doing what you could and then growing from there, which and we'll talk about growth a little later. Uh, but, you know, just to just dive into the, the start a little bit further, right? Uh, Melvin, maybe tell us a little bit about the uh, the experience of starting the business in, in the first iteration of it, right? Including the logistics and the resources that were needed during that process. And at the end of that, is dropshipping dead now? Definitely, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you know, yeah, I think one thing I learned as a young entrepreneur back then was that um, I was just super thick face, right? I was mm. just knocking on everyone's door. Back It, it was LinkedIn. Uh, even in 2012, I was in Melbourne. I was just texting every single person I could come across in LinkedIn and say, hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee and can I exchange something in return? That's all, all I did, right? And, and I remember in a week, I'll probably meet up to 12 people on a single week, right? And just ask, how do you do logistics? How do you do this? How do you do accounts? How do you do that? And, and 
and gladly enough, you know, people were seeing me as a young entrepreneur and people were just helping out of nothing, right? I didn't pay any single thing out of it. So I think that was the early, early journey of it. Ro- you know, learning my ropes, going on YouTube and just learn a bunch of free content out there. And, and just like today, right? You know, you don't need any, you can just go on YouTube and search for anything you want to mm-hmm. learn, right? So I think that's that was my re- really early journey. And I was fortunate that a lot of people was very helpful in my journey to just tell me for, you know, introduce me to the guy that runs the warehouse and, and, and the guys that brings in the goods for this and that products, right, without actual cost to it. Right? So I think that's that's how I started my earlier journey. Mm-hmm. And of course, to answer your question, is dropshipping dead? I think dropshipping as a business model has has always been around for centuries, right? It's not, it's not a new business model. It's just how uh, the channels that we're in possibility has has gone up uh you know cost has gone up a lot more that make things a lot more challenging but you know business model is still always there uh, mm. probably today and 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 moving forward as well mm. now, now melvin uh, today rpg does uh, tens of millions to 100 million hundreds of millions in revenue overall but when you first started you would buy goods uh and i'm talking about the 18 year old 19 year old in melbourne you would buy things online and you would sell it to people right so talk to us about that process how did you go how did you identify what you were going to sell um how did you take this idea monetize it and then eventually 10 years later be where you are today definitely you know very very uh, you know uh, blunt answer to it as well um, in, in Melbourne or in Australia there's a gum tree which is like your muda or lelong dot, dot my here in Malaysia and there's always a want to buy and want to sell segment right and I always go to want to buy segment and see what people want to buy right and can I fulfill that request of what they were trying to do that was my way of like trying to match a demand to a supply and essentially turning that into cash and I remember being 18 I wasn't even 18 at a point uh, I could didn't even have a PayPal account because we were transacting <laughs> on PayPal. And I was fortunate to have a brother that's four years older than me and I said, hey, can I use your PayPal account as a, as a way of people transferring money? And and for that, uh, that's how transaction could happen. So, so as simple as that, right? I went on and figured out what people wanted and just fulfilled the request. And that's it. What was your brother charging you a fee for him? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I thought as much. Smart, smart, smart. Uh, Isa, what about on your, on your end? Um given your own personal experience, but also the experience you have from dealing with so many micro SMEs, um, what what's the usual starting story here and the hard work that goes into behind the scenes? I would say that if you if you look at the Malaysian scene, especially when you talk about women entrepreneurs, they're always there because they're trying to support their family. So that's usually the, the storyline, how it goes. So if, if you look at the pandemic and how it has affected women, so they either lost their jobs, their husbands lost their jobs, or something happened along the way that required them to do something. But the beauty of being in Malaysia is that everything boleh lah, you know? <laughs> so so whatever you want to do, whatever you, you feel like you need to do, you could do it. And the government is also supportive in terms of like um, being a bit more relaxed about licensing and things like that. So you, you give the opportunity for women to be able to stand a little bit and then only look at the the rules and regulations and things like that. So I think uh, for my business, especially when we started, it was just an idea um, can I make a donation go 10 th- times? You know, mm. so like if you give me money and it goes to one person, can I recover that money and then help another person, help another person? So that was the general idea for Mad Cash. So multiply assist, donate cash. So that was the, the main idea. And when we oh. started, it was purely on a social basis. Like you give me a thousand, I give it to someone, they pay back, I give it to someone else. And then we thought, okay, so if this is zero, how do we sustain ourselves, right? How do we make it into a business? Then, then we started looking and we... We 
Uh, I mean, we did more formal things than, than him. So what we did was uh, we entered an accelerator, we learned about fintech, then we looked at the business models that could go around it, and then we figured that out. So I think it was very lucky that we started during the pandemic. It was the right time, right place, right product, right people. I think that was mm. the story of most startups. And it's, it sounds like you were genuinely excited about learning about this stuff as well. Oh, yeah. it, it, it was very sexy three, three years ago. Now it's okay. <laughs> there are too many, too many players in it. But you always want to be at the forefront because I've always been... Because my first company was a, um, a technology company, right? right? So then we always want to be doing something new. And mm. that's the beauty of being in the industry. You never, you never like, stay too long and the one thing. Mm. All right, folks, we're going into a few messages, but we'll be back to talk about more when it comes to the early days of entrepreneurship here on BFM 9.9. Tell us what you think over on WhatsApp at 018-789-8899, or you can tweet us at BFM Radio. I'm Roshan Kainison with Richard Bradbury. This is BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Big Front Man, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Enterprise BizBytes. You're here with Roshan and Richard. Oh, as we are known, uh, R&R by yeah, some people. Just without uh, the rest. By nobody, actually. Uh, if you've just <laughs> Without the rest? Okay. Uh, if you've just joined us today on BizBytes, we're taking a step back and exploring the early days of entrepreneurship, tapping into the personal experiences of our guests today. Uh, they are Melvin G's CEO and co-founder of direct-to-consumer e-commerce startup RPG Commerce, as well as the experience of Nur Aiza Samsul Baharin, Managing Director of fin- uh, Microfunding Fintech, Mad Cash, uh, who deals also with other micro SMEs. So she's able to spin off some other experiences for us as well. We're tapping into their experience of the early days of starting a business, as well as for their insights onto how to take a business from zero to one. So Melvin, earlier on, we we touched on the starting story, but at what, f- at what point did you feel it was necessary for you to expand and grow the way you were doing business because as i mentioned earlier while you started at age 18 today rpg commerce is a massive business um when was the what did that growth look like definitely yeah i think in my earlier days let's say the first five years um it was very much a single operation uh, sort of person uh business it wasn't never at the scale of doing what we were doing today i mean today we're a team of 120 employees uh, but of course uh i think where the pivotal point came was uh, after i finished uni towards the end of my final year in uni uh, i wanted to possibly try an internship in uh, san francisco right so i spent a year in san fran uh, thinking that you know i wanted to get into a tech job you know well-paid six-figure job back then and and figure out that that's the path that I wanted to go down and I actually did that I spent 11 months in San Fran trying to do what I wanted to do and I figured out that uh, it wasn't for me I didn't want to be in a job uh, I was every every day rocking up to work <laughs> yes I had a lot of fun but uh, I didn't want to be constrained about what I can do and what I can't do right so so that was a very pivotal point and I and thankfully I was you know I still have the opportunity to go back and, and rebuild the business that I, I once has built right which essentially became RPG today so I think uh, and, and starting on from that again a single operation team but now I'm full time no longer a student no longer anything and I'm on my own right and I think that's where I realized that you know I wanted to build a business bit by bit but uh, of course you know things took a different way that we managed to grow in different scale and I started bringing on uh, friends on board to build a company together you know coming back hiring two employees here in Malaysia back in 2018 and then just from there on it snowballed into where we are today so I think um, 
everything happens for a reason, sort of. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't predict that we were going to get to this size today, uh, but it was just every single bit, the fundamental that we built in the business that get where we are today. Mm. So at the start, it, this wasn't the, okay, I'm going to build a business and this is going to be my life. It was, I'm doing this part-time. I still have intentions to get a job, but you got the job and you realized that, you know what, I prefer doing what I was doing before that. And then you jumped headfirst into entrepreneurship after that. Yeah. To, to be fair, I had at least four internships uh, between my uni, uh, during my college day to my uni days. And it was to validate that, you know, I really didn't want a job. I wanted to do something <laughs> like one. And, and, and at least I was I was uh, fair enough to myself, right? To say, hey, every summer break, throughout, mm. you know, that three months break, I'll give myself time to try to do an internship. And I figured out that at least that would be a good, um, you know, negotiations with my parents and say, no, I didn't want a job. It's very interesting you say that because I'm looking through the window right now at our interns right over there who are staring back into this room as you're saying that. Uh, you be careful, guys. Uh, now, <laughs> Isa, I want to talk to you, uh, just move off on a, a little bit of a tangent. And I, I know this is I- important to you and what you guys do. How important for you is, is this sense of community when it comes to growth and, and business uh, 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 as a business owner as well? I would say that... Um what community does is just it gives the support that's needed when you are a single entrepreneur. Right. Right. So, so usually men they go off and they do their own thing. So women somehow need a little bit more support. So it's at least you have someone to talk to, someone who doesn't try to give you a solution that your husband might be trying to do when you talk to him about your problems. You know, so it's just people who understand where you are and people who support you at whatever challenges that you are facing at that moment in time. So you find that communities are easier to build mm. when they are with women compared to with men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fundamentally important then for what you've been doing? Um, I, I would say so. I think um, especially nowadays with the many stresses of work and life, it, it just adds a balance where you, you have a, a sounding board and you want a space where um, there's no one like criticizing you or no one right. looking at you in a funny way. You can say whatever. It's a safe spot for you to talk about. Yeah. Okay, uh, don't forget, folks, if you do want to get in touch with us, you can get us via our WhatsApp, our U-Mobile WhatsApp number, 018-789-8899. Now, I just want to follow up, um, maybe merge a few of those points together, right? And while Rich brought up the element of community, um, when I was I asked Melvin earlier about the early days of starting, right, and, and that, growth, that growth perspective, how often do you see small businesses expand and go to the next level? Because not all the stories are what Melvin talked about earlier. Yeah. So it depends on, on focus also because you tend to find that uh, when you talk to women who are running small businesses, they do 10 things. Right? They do 10 things because they're trying to figure out which makes money. Should I be drop shipping? Should I be building my own product? Should I do this? So you find that the people who really succeed are the ones who focus and just do that one thing. So we've seen in our cases, like for example, we have one young lady who has this recipe from her grandmother. It's called Agagat Nyonya Shiring. So then um, what she did was that she focused on that. So taking it from home and now she has a, a mini factory and then she's now looking at expanding outside of Malaysia. So it's a three-year process. It's not it's not immediate. So you have to be able to, to know that this is what you want to do and this is where you're going to take it and you've tested it out and people are buying it. So now it's time for you to build your own brand. Mm. So this is the kind of things that we're looking at. And also for, for um, what we're asking is also for financial institutions to support these ladies. They are... They are new, they may not have the credit scoring needed and all that, but they do need the funds to grow their business mm, to the mm. next level. Sorry, go on. Sorry. Uh, and, and typically when you see that, do you, what are the growing, the hurdles to that growth right, that, you've, that you typically observe uh, that maybe people don't pay enough attention to? I would say that it depends on your challenges in life. If your, your role is just to get as much money as possible, you see people 
uh, taking whatever is new. Like if, if somebody is selling this uh, to do and it's like the hottest thing, they will do it. If you do this, so then you're not actually looking at yourself as an entrepreneur. You're not looking at what is it that you want to build. You know that would actually bring you real revenue. So you're just looking at meeting, making ends meet at the end of the month. So that that you cannot grow a business from. That would be just like a, a dropshipper, for example, right? Just building that revenue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, Melvin, so uh, earlier Rich brought up the community element there, which we haven't actually touched upon with you. Starting as you did and doing the internships and going into the workforce. And so there were many aspects to your growth story there. Um, along the way, did you feel that you built a sense of community with other entrepreneurs along the way that it then further informed the way that you built your business? Yeah, sure. You know, again, I, I came back even here in Malaysia. I didn't know about hiring. I didn't know about all these things. And I think, you know, I was fortunate enough, again, to reach out to a lot of people, uh, be part of uh, entrepreneurship community, especially in the e-commerce community of entrepreneurs and just getting help from them. Hey, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I think that's just the trait that, you know, I've always been having, just reaching out to every single person, getting every single introduction that I can have out there, just trying to get doors open. Right? And I think that's what I did to, to build communities around me uh, all the way from, you know, today we are going to offline retail we knew nothing about offline 12 months ago and today we know that you know an offline is such a network business right it's not it's not about who you are it's about who you know right and i think well, just to kind of jump in very quickly there what about people who might not be as outgoing as perhaps you are you know mm. who are a little bit like introverted yeah. and they know what they need to do but they're a little bit concerned about doing it what, what kind of advice would you give those but i guess you know as an entrepreneur it's i always feel that it's uh you got to be thick face right you know you got to be as thick as possible you you say rejection is part of every day of your life right mm-hmm. and i've learned to be comfortable with being uncomfortable every single day right that i know out of 10 times i've asked i just needed one yes that will open doors to to me right so i think that that's what that's the mentality that i had even you know up to today right you know i could talk to 10 guys and 9 9.5 out of them will say no and that 0.5 <laughs> will introduce you to another 10 yeses right so i think that's that's the kind of mentality that i would say you know just be comfortable with being uncomfortable Mm-mm-mm. so rich just to answer that question yeah. what what people could do is tap on all these accelerators happening out there right in malaysia we have a, a, a bunch of people who are trying to help small business owners to you know a startup to grow so you could just go there learn how to do the stuff that he does right because they would be uh, instead of you going out to look for people, you would meet the people that you need to meet and then you're in, a again, a safe environment where you can learn to grow that business. So mm. that and would be one option. Yeah, And yeah. you'd be surprised there'll be a amount of people that want to help you that yes. you think that no one wants to help you, right? You know, you'd be surprised with the community out there. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm just asking for a friend. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, this friend has a lot of questions, Richard, well, of course, generally. Of course, that's how you learn, right? Mm. You, know, you have to ask a bunch of questions. Uh, but I like what you... Uh, we put both of what you said together, right? Um that point that I think a lot of people think that every conversation has to lead to a result which provides this sense mm, of daunting, mm. a daunting feeling, right? It's like, that, oh, if I don't succeed in this conversation, then, you know, I'm not going to succeed in the rest. But really, it's a 5% success success rate in terms of whether that translates into something mm, else. Mm. Um, and I put, like, personally, when I've realized that, it makes it less daunting. It's like, oh, actually, it's okay if you fail. I think we've we've hammered home this point for so long that failure is not acceptable and everything needs to be a, a, a win that people get scared of making mistakes, mm. which can be, which is actually not the way to do entrepreneurship. And, I, and I've seen that happen. You know, friends and, and colleagues who 
are entrepreneurs, and, and it's taken them a while to get to where they are. But at the very beginning, you know, um, unlike you, Melvin, the, the first few times they, they got a kind of knockback and a, and a no, so to speak, it, you could see it affect their confidence. And they would just sit there like, oh, well, that's it then. You know, three or four people back to back is saying no to them. And then they look at their idea and they're kind of micro-analyzing it, saying, oh, it's not good enough, there's something wrong with this. And I keep reminding them, like, there's always somebody out there for your idea. It's just finding that right person. And, and if you knock on enough doors and you ask enough people, you will find that person eventually. It might take you a while, right, Melvin? Yeah. yeah. No, I always think, you know, entrepreneurship sometimes is a numbers game, right? Yeah, yeah. What you want to do 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times, it's up to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any thoughts on that, Isa? Yeah, I mean... Um I would say that it's always the first few rejections that, that make you really feel bad. Mm. After a while, you're like, oh, okay. You're growing the thick skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, Rich, you have a, a great opportunity to build your own business. Then. You're I don't know what you're talking about, either. <laughs> yeah. but, but whilst I have you on the microphone, <laughs> can you share with me some collaborations, perhaps, mm. or, or partnerships that you've seen between some of the SME, MSMEs and how it's contributed to their business growth? Yeah. So, so what we've seen, um, especially in Sabah, so um, what we've done in Sabah is that we have farmers, right? Right? So they plant yeah. cocos and stuff like that. And then we have uh, women who are making cakes using the cocoa in some kind of, of mm. part. So instead of buying from outside, we're asking them, let's support our ecosystem. Let's buy from each other. We take out the middleman and then you could actually um, do it, be doing so, bo- grow both their businesses. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at things like that where we build an ecosystem. Of- yeah, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry. Um, so essentially you're creating a little bit of an, uh, a gate, uh, not, a, not a gate-kept uh, supply chain, but it is, right? You're, you're introducing people to each other so they can do business together, which can be uh, quite uh, powerful, especially when you remove the middleman, take that saving, margin for saving yourself. Saving a bit of money, you know. Save a bit yeah. of money there. Yeah. Uh, Melvin, what about your, on your end when you started and you grew and RPG is what it is today? Uh, how important was working with other business and collaborating with them? Definitely, you know, I think within our business today, even, you know, we collaborate every single part of our business with, collaborators around our industries, right? All the way from your, you know, industrial designers to packaging designers to everyone. We collaborate every part of our, because I, I believe in outsourcing things that we are, <laughs> we are not great at. And I think that's a way of collaborations for us to, to do that. Even all the way up to, of course, the larger collaborations. Like recently we did a Disney collaborations with one of our brand Montego. And that's also a form of collaborations. And I think, uh, of course, earlier in the days, uh, we collaborated with a lot of young micro uh, influencers even, right? That no no brands wanted to collaborate with them. But, you know, we want, and this, this, these guys out there were just really good at producing content, right? And it's as simple as that. Uh, we leverage a bunch of assets and working together on mm-hmm. that as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, final question then, I, I guess. Uh, and it's that kind of uh, evergreen question. If, if people were sat in your position, or, or rather they wanted to be sat in your position, they're starting out on the, their journey, just off the top of your head, the first piece of advice that you'd give them. Um, we've already spoken about knock on every single door and get in touch with everybody. Anything else that you can think of though that might be useful to get people started on their journey? I would say that um, do your homework a little bit. Um, I would say that enter a field that, you or industry that you know so you you have to be able to have the skills to do it right so before you put in the money and also um, I, I tend to find a lot of people when they, they take out money from their EPF or whatever and then they spend every single cent into that business mm. instead of keeping some for marketing so marketing is very important so without being able to market it you can't really grow your business so if possible um, take a loan or, or you know, get funded, something where you are building your business using other people's money and then you make it work. 
So that would be my advice to mm. to really specialize and choose something that can grow. Mm. So. No, I think entrepreneurship it's uh, it's a roller coaster journey, right? I always feel like you know waking up in the morning you feel really good, and then by afternoon you're like nothing's working out. <laughs> it's exactly the same kind of graph that you see. You're supposed to be selling the idea, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but but truth be told, you know, eighty percent I feel eighty percent entrepreneurship is a mental game, right? And I think uh, and it takes time to learn. And as a as a younger entrepreneur, you know, say five ten years ago, I was probably a lot more. I have anxiety. I have all kinds of stress that you're going through. And today, you know, if a bad news comes, a bad news come, you'll be like, you know, we can deal with it later, and and you can you can sort of work on it. And I think that's a kind of uh, uh, agility and a kind of uh, mentality that every single entrepreneur need to have. But of course, you don't have that overnight, right? Rome is not built overnight. So I'd say, don't overthink it. Don't overdo it. You know, don't be too hard on yourself. Try your best. You know, and, and just you see a better day tomorrow. Rich, any advice uh, that you'd advice. like to advise? Advice. Um, yeah, I, I, I think just to kind of go on the back of that as well. It, it's if somebody is genuinely wanting to do this and pursue this as their their life path, it is about mm. not giving up, and it is failure is part of that journey. And even if you don't identify your product, even if you don't identify your service at the at the beginning. You know, if you know that this is what's within you, you'll just keep going and going and going. Just pivot, move around, be agile, figure out what works for you. You know, because like some people, like Melvin, they don't want to work in an office and have a real job. <laughs> External motivation yes. is one way to put it. And, and um, do it while you're young. Yes. Do it when you're young. Especially when you're not yeah. yeah. honestly, honestly, Rich, I ask you also because you've been speaking to business owners and founders way longer than I have. And I just yes. started doing it yeah. this year. Morning Run was a different beast altogether. Yeah. So obviously you've learned things from I, I the, have. the hundreds of uh, And it is. It is owners. about that mindset. It is about just don't give up. You know, you have to be singular-minded and it can be a very, very lonely journey. So one of the things is to surround yourself with people you know who can support you in one way or another i think that's that's a very big thing which is why we talked about community a little earlier and on that note um uh, Isa, Melvin, thank you so much for your time today. Rich, thanks for your insights as well. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, folks, we were speaking with Melvin G, CEO and co-founder of a direct-to-consumer e-commerce startup, RPG Commerce, as well as Nur Isa Shamsul Baharin, Managing Director of Microfunding Fintech, Mad Cash. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. It should be out in about an hour or so. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast players. Just look up Enterprise Biz Bites. Looking ahead, we've got the Breakfast Grill replay after, happening after the 1pm news bulletin. Swift Haulage is one of Malaysia's largest fully integrated logistics providers. Their CEO shares with us if the economic slowdown is impacting, impacting its business and outlook, as well as a look at the competition in the industry. I'm Richard Kennison with Richard Bradbury, and this has been Enterprise Biz Bites. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.